Welcome to the Soul Too Early Sports Card Podcast, created just for this holy day of shitposting. That's Kai. I'm the odds of success, 28 to 3. And Kai, you had to know this was coming, especially because you missed the opportunity several months back to get bullied about your Falcons. It is March 28th. On the day of recording, 28 to 3. I had to get it out there. But besides that, I know you've not been on socials all day today. How the hell are you doing? Yeah, um, it is kind of rough, you know. I don't think – I wonder how long it's going to take people to stop, like, thinking of that. Do you think it will ever stop? I I don't think it's going to stop. I do think the, the cold situation with the Vikings – helps because theoretically that is more of a fuck up but i believe those are the regular season so you know there yeah, is a big difference yeah there's yeah. a big difference between the super bowl and that i mean it is really funny that they both involve matt ryan although you know if you actually have an, yeah, an intelligent really conversation funny. if you have an intelligent conversation about it obviously matt ryan is not the main reason why but it, it is kind of funny that he is connected to both the most uh, historic regular season collapse and playoff slash Super Bowl collapse as well. It's 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 crazy, and and we could do an entire special about this. But I did had to I did have a tease about this a little bit. Um, yeah. This episode is a little different. Usually, we're a little more structured in what we have. I I kind of just wrote a note set today. Um, do a little more of a gorilla style of podcast general notes and we'll just talk through them so you know we can have conversations about the mlb i think we're gonna have a section about like some some picks for the year i kind of said i was gonna do it and then i not checked so really what i wanted to do today is focus on some like key aspects of collecting that i've taken a little bit of a step back in the last week or two i'm really happy that we recorded with joku uh, last week, or I guess 10 days ago at this point, before um, Chicago. So I had a little bit more time to reflect not only on that show and that experience, but also kind of just like take my mind off the of sports cards for a bit. And holy shit, dude, so much has gone on since we last recorded. First, something really exciting for you, which I know you posted about a couple of days ago, but I want to give you the floor to kind of talk more about. So go for it, Kai. Uh, nothing too crazy. I mean, oh, crazy, okay, I guess, sure, but, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so Joku, who we had on last week, um, I talked to him a little bit afterwards. So we're kind of in a partnership now. We're gonna be working together on a lot of things. Um, not to get into too, not not partnership with like us as the podcast, like me personally. Um, I can't get into too much like details. I mean, I'm just gonna be kind of helping out the process. Um, working together on a lot of things. I think he needed a little more like help on back end stuff that like maybe he didn't have time for you know stuff like that but um very excited i think it's gonna be really good there's a lot of things we're planning and working on that will be announced in due time but it's very exciting yeah dude i'm really happy for you too because it's ironic and and this was not planned or staged in any way shape or form but he was talking about how he needed some help during our episode last week and I, I don't know if he reached out to you or you reach out to him or how that conversation happened. Yeah, dude, what, two days later after the episode premiered, you guys had 
I think I texted Joko about it and he had let me know. Or actually, you might have texted me. You're like, yeah, you know, we're going to work together. I'm like, oh, fuck. All right, cool. Like, I was really happy. Yeah. I, I ended up texting him on the side, like, congratulating him. It, it's awesome. Like, it really, truly is. And I, I have seen, like, the podcast continue to grow and, like, all this development and great things because people go up to me at shows and they'll say they love it. And it really happens, like, two to four even five times at these major shows it's really a cool thing um you know we're not the the largest podcast by any means but i have noticed that we are growing that there is some kind of like connection there and this is kind of that first step at least for you we're like yeah dude this podcast is positively affecting your life that's fucking awesome and i'm really proud of you guys it's really cool yeah i'm excited for the next show i go to for that i mean i haven't been to a show since the national so i'm kind of missing it but hopefully do you have anything planned like do you, do you know what you want to like <clears throat> to next is it really just school holding you up at this point um well this summer i'll have my first like no school summer since awesome. high school so have pretty time for things i'm really hoping to get out to a few shows or even maybe like go to california with joku at some point um, i mean to, yeah you know, you, but, if you yeah. if you can afford it and if you're able to that Burbank show at the end of August is going to be dope on top of obviously the national in Chicago, which, you know, I, Oh, I don't know. I haven't talked about this cause I haven't talked since Chicago. So Chicago show was amazing. Always a good time. Uh, back-to-back shows was a little mentally draining and I think that's completely fair <laughs> for people. Uh, I, I give a lot of people credit who, who do this whole time and like do travel three, four or five weeks in a row to, to shows and i i have done that in the past too but i don't know i i i'm kind of an older 26 year old i don't know maybe maybe i'm just like mentally tired or like my job <laughs> stressing me out on top of cards i was fucking beat but the show was good and i also confirmed and locked down at least one showcase so far for for national which is amazing that's awesome dude having that known in march is amazing like it it made my weekend no matter what other deals i had at the time or ended up making anyway it was awesome just like that peace of mind knowing i can go in i i I hear some reverbing feedback i'm not sure you're touching your mic sorry yeah i accidentally just hit my mic you're good but i'm not sure like or that ability to know that i have this set up and like i'm gonna be prepared and like i'm gonna be setting up with andy uh par for the cards someone who who i've been lucky to know for like five years at this point like he not only has always gone out of his way to be nice to me and like i've set up with him at the spectacular and even the um 2019 national 2019 or 2021 yeah, yeah. it was one of those it two. Was, that was the first time i met all you guys in real life so it was 2021 then i believe mm-hmm. was it, it was when you guys were like all set up in that circle right yes so, I don't remember. I think I think that was a nineteen, wasn't it? Yeah, that's really scary. If it's twenty nineteen. There's no way that was twenty twenty one. It's no one way. of the two because twenty twenty two was AC, obviously, and we were set up there together. Twenty twenty one was, I think it was twenty twenty one. It might have been. It just doesn't. I have seems like a lot longer than that. So, either way, when I got there to the show, I had no expectations of setting up. I was like, "Fuck, this sucks." I can just go walk around. Like, you know, I'm not the best person for you know, walking the show, it's too massive. And Andy somehow, some way he had, he had his table all set up and he had put down like PVC pipe or two by four. It's like, Hey man, listen, I got a, a showcase. I have two for a couple days. You want one? I'm like, fuck yeah. 
and I was at, I ended go. up setting up, and it was it was a tight, uncomfortable space because, of course, they're just jamming as many dealers in there as you can. But it was awesome, and knowing now that in March I'm setting up again, I can prep accordingly, dude. My goal by August, or I guess I should say end of July. I want to have like 25 to 40 cards all between like five to 25 grand and just kind of wait. Like there's no reason to have as much inventory as I previously did. And it's a little weird because I'm used to building up items and trading them down. And I'm not going to be doing that as much, at least leading up to to uh, Chicago, because I want to have that premier inventory ready. So I'm already starting to think of plans for five months out. And I think that kind of tired me down for a second, which is really kind of like a weird dynamic in, in this moment in time. If you had hypothetically not got that showcase or got one from someone else, would you have considered not going or would you have been fine walking? I would have gone anyway. Dude, like this is such a major show. Like the national is incredible every single year. And like, you have to be there. Um, it would have been difficult going in and not having a showcase or two or whatever. You know, I think that we're very fortunate. We're very lucky to know the people that we do because these are people that do have, and I'm not trying to fucking flex or whatever. Like these are people who have million dollar collections plus, and they are theoretically our friends and we, and we are able to associate with them and, and talk to them on a regular basis and they have connections, and the, the connections that we've built are invaluable. More than any other deal I've ever done, knowing people in high high places is incredible. And, and sometimes they are able to throw you a bone or get you into an area or introduce you to someone who builds that connection further. So if I didn't have a showcase at the start of Chicago – it would have sucked, but knowing the people that we do and how they do things, someone would have given us or me or you or both half a showcase or put a couple cards in or let us sit by their booth and bullshit because it's a fucking – it's a long week. I'm flying out Tuesday from New Jersey, and I'm leaving either Saturday night or Sunday night. It's six days, and yeah. – I fully expect to be so fucking tired at the end of it. I'm not even going to want to look at my cards, much less like be like a productive member of society for a couple of days. It's, it's, a, oh, it's, by, a, it's a marathon. Yeah, by the end, by the end of the national, like you literally don't want to do cards for like a week. It's true. It's so it's like, I'm so done looking at these for like a couple of days. Your camera's also screwing up again. I don't know. Why. I know. I'm what sorry, guys. Yeah, I don't know. We had no issues the first 20 episodes and the last like two, it keeps going out of focus. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, either you guys just like sit still or just turn off the autofocus. It's weird. I don't know. But yeah, I, I fully expect August 4th, whatever the like Sunday slash Monday is of, you know, following the national yeah. to just be dead. <laughs> like oh. I'm not going to be here as a person. Do not DM me. I'm not going to look at my cards. Everyone leave me alone. Yeah, usually I don't do like anything until like Tuesday or Wednesday. I might not even get to it till like the Friday, Saturday, depending on how my. Oh no, I I mean like anything. Like I might just like I might just sit there and just like watch movies all day for a couple of days. It's It's pretty nice. Like overwhelming. Like you do so much like talking to people, interacting, walking around. Like you're just done. Like totally. And then the flight home, it's so much. 
Well, how far is the travel from you? Because you're in Florida, so what? To so two and a half, three yeah, hours. Yeah, it's like it's no, no, it's like one forty-five to like two and a half. Usually. Oh, that's not bad at all. Okay, that's yeah, not as bad as I thought. It's it just I just hate flying. Like the whole like waiting at the airport, like that whole it, it's like a four or five hour process by the time you get home. Oh, trust me, I'm aware, dude. When yeah, uh, when I left Chicago a couple weeks ago, I guess two weeks at this point, I got up at. 4 a.m., 5 a.m. for like a six o'clock flight. It sucks. It's brutal, no matter what. And that was just only because I wanted to go, you know, see my girlfriend or like actually have a productive day at home because I could have stayed at the show and made two deals on Sunday. Like, you know, I, I think for the national, you have to kind of go for all five days. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I'm flying out Tuesday was I was expecting to get a dealer spot and then kind of like work the room, but also just, you know, wake up there wednesday morning and be ready to work you know if i go out on tuesday into the town like go catch a cubs game or whatever okay like it's just you gotta have some fun when i when i was in chicago we went to the bulls timberwolves game and i went to double overtime the game was fucking dope like i like you have to be able to be like a human being and have fun too because if you push yourself too hard with the stuff you are gonna end up being burnt out and you know that's a whole different conversation which uh, someone going through a burnout right now with 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 cards but like also just understanding that like this shit is really fun and i think part of it was not being able to talk on the podcast for for 10 days kind of built yeah. up a bit, so i think i think people at least personally definitely i definitely enjoy shows more when like we as a group like go to a basketball game or we go out to eat a couple times like it's so much just, better it, it makes it so much better if you're just sitting at a table or walking around all day and then you go in your room and do more cards you go to trade like it's crazy burnout. Like you got to have some sort of like balance, like normal fun. Like, Dude, nothing beats going to to Dallas and knowing that Lucas is basically going to buy that PF Chang's. Uh, Lucas yeah. means Sports Carmania, someone who I would love to have on this podcast. He does not want to though <laughs> lucas oh, is, he said that he, dude he's such a quiet guy and he's and i mean yeah, that's I, true I, lucas yeah. is very quiet he's very confident um and he and he you know he he does his own thing and i respect that he's not a kid he's 30 <laughs> we should have other david on i would love to have woods on the podcast i said that to him. He, he would be he would be a great guest it is so interesting that dynamic because lucas sports carmenia and, and woods basketball car paradise are polar opposites as people woods has the most energy ever he is the oh, energizer sure. bunny the man is just hell-bent on making deals flipping cards and being like as successful as you can be and i really like him i really truly do woods is one of my favorite people he's a good guy yeah. lucas is calculated and quiet kind of like barkley um car junkie who who they also work with it's like a it's a three-man group occasionally Random. mostly two trio, but it, i guess i don't know it's a it, trio yeah it's so funny that dynamic because woods is like the face of it and you know the man is working in the room and lucas and, and barkley are kind of like the not not financiers because it's not correct like they are more of the quiet just conversational like hey we're just here to facilitate the business and you know be another uh perspective and it's very interesting how that works so well for them and they're crushing it and i'm really happy for them 
Yeah, I think I, I, I've never seen someone like walk across like the Chicago Convention Center so fast as Woods does. Like when he had, Dude, he had like a 52 mantle last year, he was like going across the convention center. I've seen him flip time. like three of those at uh, the first Burbank, I mean, two or three of them. Yeah, flipped. it was awesome. I was so happy for him. He's so good at it. It's, it's yes, no, listen, really I, I, I really, I try not to be negative to people I really like. He is incredible at what he does. But my God, the man does not stop. And it's so funny going out like either to dinner or like when the show is over and he's just like still the same person. Like, dude, it's crazy. Yeah. Like, like, do not give that man caffeine. No, I don't think he drinks (laughs) coffee, actually. I think I've had had asked him this before. But we all can't be Woods. We all can't flip the cards the way he does. And this is a good segue into my first thing I want to talk about is liquidity from repackers. So. Kai, you've not been to a show since the Nationals, so you, you kind of saw it, but like not really. In the last like three to six months, especially, these repack buyers are really the ones who are providing so much liquidity in the sports card world, especially when prices started to tank on stuff and then rebound recently. These guys are really keeping the hobby alive, and not a lot of people are talking about that. Um, Santiago Sports was making a post uh, Sunday or Monday of this week of recording, and he and he was actually ironically enough talking about the same thing. You have to be able to turn and burn some inventory, whether you've lost on it or you've had it for a while or you're not getting your full ask. You have to just understand that it's okay sometimes to lose on items and take that cash and reinvest it. I know that uh, I'm now using a competitor consignment service who I will not name. Although it's the capital of the U.S., intent, wink, wink. Um, but that's the thing is like if there was inventory that was a little too old, or you know, I was going to, it wasn't going to show for a while, or I wanted the cash. Those consignment services allowed you if they. You, you can say the name. I know, I know. I'm being, I'm being, I'm being like that on, on purpose, Kai. Um, but like, if repackers weren't buying that sort of inventory, which plenty of them were. All right, go send it to DC or Joku now or anyone else and be like, hey, like, let's just get this shit out of here, take the loss, and buy one large item. And I don't think a lot of people understand that, like, you can lose the battle but win the war. If you, mm-hmm. you know, have a bunch of low end stuff and it's worth 2500 bucks, and you net out, let's say, 1750 1800 but you buy one large item and you flip that or hold it and he ends up playing well, or you sell it for 2K, let's say, like you can get back your your losses or even break even or, God forbid, profit pretty well God if forbid. you're smart. Like you're not going to win every single card. And I fucking have realized that I've lost way more times than I like to admit, but my winning percentage is still really high because I will take the stuff eventually and win with it. I don't have to win on deal number one, but if I'm able to come back using that asset or those cards or both and turn it into something positive down the line, well, there you go. It all spiders out. Like that's the mm-hmm. idea. And I don't think people are always willing to <laughs> accept that. And I'm not telling you to go sell to repackers or resell people at 70% comps. A lot of these guys do backyard breaks. Someone who, you know, is a question mark is the nicest way to say it in the sports car world when they're breaking stuff. Their buyers are super fucking friendly. Those guys are really nice. Like, really? No, they tr- I would never. 
they do really they not have the main people walking around they have like i don't really dude, i don't know anything about the them i'll be honest like i don't know anything about the backyard breaks like breaking crew if they're any different but the guys who are applying for them are actually nice people i really like those guys um, I, I think it's them. good when they have like external people that aren't like the face of whatever. Yeah, or whatever. Like, you that's know, definitely helpful. They they might be also. Like, I don't give a fuck. But like, you know, if you're fair and like you're honest and you're cool, yeah. Like I saw them in Dallas and Chicago, and they bought off me both times, and they paid really well. And they're gonna go flip that stuff into Hit Parade or their own products or whatever, and make money. And then they'll come back and buy from me more because I'm not a piece of shit. Oh, hey. Oh, my God. It works. Uh, Austin, NPT Cards. Someone I've known for a long, long time. Man is always flipping inventory. I, I will sell him stuff pretty often. He pays very strong, too. Hey, you might want to get to know him. I'm not telling you if you're a random stranger who has never talked to him, he's going to pay you 80, 85% comps, but build a relationship. Once again, I've known Austin for years. It just works out. The man trusts my opinion on a price that we can't agree. We'll work on the next one. And then you just make it work. I don't have to win on every single deal. But I know that liquidity that I'm offered, I can turn around and win on the next one. And I don't think people always will understand that. Yeah, um, I agree with everything you said. I mean, I think repackers are pretty big, especially the last like year or two probably i know hit parade is probably one of the biggest ones that kind of started the whole like buying a bunch of stuff at like fair prices yep. i remember at the either 2021 i think 2021 national they they were buying so much shit i mean they they don't really buy crazy high end i know some of the other repackers might buy some of the thousand five thousand dollar cards but i know they were buying most of the like 50 to 500 dollar stuff and there'd be lines that were hours long with they were in chicago and the same thing happened yeah so, I mean, I think it's definitely a great thing. I mean, there's some people out there that might not move half the stuff they move if there's not repackers buying it shows. I mean, well, it's so. interesting too because I reached out to a couple people who were at the Arizona show this past weekend. So, Stack and Sell and Jesse's Cards, two guys who I've known for a bit. And I was like, hey, man, like, I know I can't be at every show. I want your perspective. And it's funny that Stack and Sell mentioned how the repackers were set up and had the best opportunities to buy. And they were paying, it looks like 75-ish percent comps. And if you're able to beat the repack buyers or hit parade or anything else, you can get as much inventory as you possibly need. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed like he had a little bit of a, when you set up at Dallas or Chicago last week, it was almost impossible to get anyone or get these opportunities because everyone knew you could walk over to hit parade and get 85%. So you had to be hit parade or backyard yeah. or whoever else was the repacker going around that show. And it's so interesting that like, they're setting the market these days like they really truly are yeah um i would say yeah they pay so strong on that like lower end stuff it's it's really hard to beat them i mean i know but you have to either you have to find your niche like that's the once you find your niche in this hobby everything kind of opens up like how many times have you or mikey or anyone on our group chat said oh that's a david card so many times like Oh, it's a weird David Johnson one of one, and there's 11 of them. Yeah, that sounds like something David would get. Or Mikey gets a bat barrel auto of Mike Trout or Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, bat knob. Yeah, that sounds about right. Like, Or Tyler buying Babe Ruth cuts or anything else funky. It's it's amazing that there are three people that were in our group chat who buy the most fucking weird things, but I'm the a-hole who... Uh, and you guys will... <laughs> 
you guys all somehow do good with all that stuff though i mean like like you said it's your niche like you are the one who gets picked on the most though oh it's true it's but it's yeah. always funny because i generally will do okay and the example that i think of off the bat was i had grabbed at the start of the show of chicago the lebrons the two lebron james game used nameplate patches from presidential's choice if you don't know what presidential's choice is me neither by the way <laughs> i don't know what the fuck it is i know it exists now because we were having a conversation about decision 2022 cards and they were like mask cards i'm not even kidding it was really weird i i, I might pull it up on google on ebay but like the point is presidential choice strange product However, somehow, some way, they got a LeBron James jersey, and I think they're now owned by Leaf, and they cut it up, put the nameplates in there. I grabbed them in trade at 1500 bucks. Fuck it. Who cares? Like, you know, 750 each for LeBron James. Everyone was making fun of me. You're an idiot, Dave. Good fucking luck. You're not going to flip those at the show. And guess what, fuckers? You're right. I didn't flip it at the show, but I moved it online, and I made a couple bucks. So... I can never doubt you. No, you can never doubt me. Although uh, you can doubt my decision-making on quarterbacks I buy from the Arizona Cardinals because I uh, struck out severely on Josh Rosen and, uh, you know, thankfully moved all my Kylers. Don't buy any more Arizona quarterbacks or trade for an old running back who is – I don't even think Dave Johnson's still in the league, but somehow I'm going to make money on that lot, which is really fucking funny. I don't know how you did it with those uh... – I don't know. What are they called? Uh, Diamond? Top Diamond. First off, that product is yeah. sick. Like, I love that product. It's sick, but at the same time, it's so stupid. Having, of like, course, 12, it's stupid. the same card. I had 11, right. sir, and I moved two of them. And <laughs> Sorry. That, and I sent nine to DC <laughs> this week because I stopped caring. I, they was all, it, I think all for 20 bucks each. I made money. If you're watching this right now on YouTube, I want you guys to go down and comment what you think. Of the, how many did you send? I sent nine in. How much total do you think the last nine one of ones will sell for? Over or under two hundred fifty? I think it goes okay, over. I think it goes like three fifty for all of them. Because the I'm gonna one, say under. I'm, because one of them sold for fifty bucks on eBay, so I set the comp. I told you what I was gonna do. I was gonna set the yeah. comp and then sell them all. I think what's gonna kill you though is nine of them running. I don't give fuck, time. dude. Whatever, get them out of my house. <laughs> I Fair enough. Stopped caring. There's gonna be that one David Johnson super collector bids them all. Dude, David like Johnson's gonna go dollars each. What are you talking about? Honestly, yeah. Uh, all right, let let's <laughs> cut into this. Is something before that we, we run, all right, go before we run down the list. Do you want to hit the baseball or you want to skip the baseball? We can talk the baseball for a minute. So obviously, uh, I know this is shocking to people, but like we watch sports. Like, oh, I'll, I'll go into a little tangent as I pull up like uh, MVP and all those stuff odds. Um, it's so crazy to me how much or how little some of the high end collectors watch sports. It is really, really scary to me that people will spend the money they do and do not watch sports on a day to day or week to week basis. Yeah. Um, I would say I'm pretty casual besides like Atlanta sports. Like, I watch the big games, but people that spending the tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars. It is pretty surprising. They might not even watch sports at all. I don't know. I don't know how you can enjoy it if you're not at least watching like the guys you buy. I don't know. I just, I don't know. It's scary. It's real. Oh, that's not the wrong. Oh, one. oh, oh, God. Hang on. I fucked up. There it there is. Yeah. I found it. Sorry. Don't put me in charge of any projectors or anything important. So I have an ESPN. I just want to pull it up. Odds to win the 2023 MVP. 
Um, I think you and I mentioned this. I'm going with like Trout winning the AL this year. I'm going to go, I want to say Otani, but it's just like too easy of a choice, I feel like. Well, that's why he's the betting um, guy. Also, don't go gamble, kids, unless you're like you're 18 or 18 plus. I'm just going to pick Otani. I just can't see anyone topping Otani. So I'm gonna it's going to be mad awkward when the Angels are like 74 and like uh, 88 or whatever, 162 would equal. So, yeah. It's going to be mad strange when that happens. NL. I mean, I have said the Padres are going to win the World Series or at least get to the World Series on this podcast. So I think I have to go with either Juan Soto or Manny Machado. I'm surprised at those odds. He's almost double as likely to win than the next guy. I I would really not be shocked if any of the top five guys win. Like Soto, Betts, yeah. Acuna. Acuna is actually probably the one outlier there because he was, you know, he wasn't gr- he wasn't bad obviously last year, but he was yeah, he was coming back from the ACL. Yeah, I, I would probably take a guy not even on here. I think I said this when we did it. I've taken Matt Olson this year. I think he's. I don't. Big I don't push. hate that no pick. That's, that's the funny thing is I don't yeah. hate that pick. But like, there you go. The Braves are so stacked, at least according to ESPN, that your MVP pick, which is perfectly fine, that is a fine pick. Uh, Austin Riley's ahead of him. Uh, I was gonna say no, no, or not. I was gonna say Freddie Freeman, but that's not right. Acuna and Riley are ahead of him, and I think yeah. you have a very respectable NL pick, which is not even here. The, dude, I would love to see the ground win AL Cy Young. It's not gonna happen. Like this is such a bad thing. Um, uh, yeah, I think it's gonna be Christian that. Javier. Mm, I don't like any of these guys. Why is Bieber so high? Bieber was so bad last year. Well, that's the thing, too. But he does have the track record of winning a Cy Young. I'm going to – dude, I don't like any of these guys. Cease has been getting lit up, too, in spring training. I'm going to say this. If if DeGrom pitches, like, enough to qualify, I'm going to say he probably wins. But I don't think he probably pitches enough to qualify. Agreed. So, therefore, I'm going to, off this list alone, I'm going to take Otani as well. Dude, that would be fucking so. Okay. If that happens. Can you imagine? In your world, let's say Otani wins not only MVP, but also Cy Young. And I I assume you know, he wins fucking Hank Aaron Award and all this other crazy stuff. Is he a Hall of Famer if he plays 10 years? I think at that point he is. If he plays 10 years, he's probably a Hall of Famer no. after that. Season. So what I'm saying is he ha- you have to play 10 years in order to be in the MLB Hall of Fame. Once oh, I didn't know yeah. that. You didn't know that. Interesting. Um, yeah, you have to play minimum 10 uh, years. Yeah, that, it's no, he's a no no doubter, yeah. No one's ever done that probably, right? No, that's exactly it. That's what I'm saying to you. Like, I can see the old head saying like he didn't play. If he only played 10 years or like he just stopped pitching. Or well, the thing with him is he's, he's probably going to stop pitching at some point, but he'll have another five years of being a great DH. Like – it's a, it's an interesting conversation. I think if he does what you're saying, which is win MVP, uh, Cy Young, and you know all the other awards you'd win as a result, well, I think my thing, be, yeah, I think he's in the yeah. My thing is he would probably win the MVP because of the Cy Young. Like so, it's kind of like a coinciding thing. Like, well, I mean that's not that's not unusual. That does happen. But I'm pulling up just baseball. Yeah, because I'm just, what, what I'm is, saying there is like he also hits like amazing. Like I'm saying he hits like four. Yeah. Who was the last pitcher to win MVP? Uh, I think I believe it was Verlander. Was it? Yeah, I believe it was Justin Verlander in like 2017. Uh, Those are some nice cards you're looking at. I'm going to go snipe them all. What cards am I looking at? I don't know. You had them on your Google search. Oh, uh, uh, whatever. 
he won him he uh, Cy Young MVP in 2011. Oops. <laughs> Oopsie. You think, I knew he won MVP. Did ever win MVP? No, he won two Cy Youngs. I don't think anyone's won since then, probably, right? That I can think of. Uh, well, we can pull the list. Uh, MVP votes. All right, well, this is 2022. This is not helpful. But, yeah, unless it's going to be Otani, like, I don't see it happening again. Like, not for a while. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. I don't know. That's a tough one. All right, and I'll say, Young, I think this is, uh, yeah, that's not happening. Verlander is not winning it again. I'm sorry. Number five on that list is, though. Spencer Strider? Yeah, it's shocker. Um, I don't love... Have you, dude, his stats are crazy, man. Like, his advanced metrics, like, insanity. I don't love this list either, but I know Corbin Burns is pissed at the Brewers right now for, like, how they insulted him. And for whatever reason, I guess Wisconsin players just, like, love to play with spite. Give me Corbin Burns when they're Cy Young. If I had to pick a non-Brave, I'm taking Wheeler. I think Wheeler's so underrated. I mean, he's, he's, he's you know, on the list for Cy Young. I'm not sure how underrated you can be. Uh, he's underrated. Oh, whoops, that's the wrong list. Home run leader in the AL. Oh, no, this is... Oh, this is both leagues. Home run overall. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Taking Jordan. Jordan is a really good pick here. I am going to go with Kyle Schwarber. Those are, yeah, I mean, that's fine. That's a solid pick. He just has a little yeah. bit of health issues. I don't know. All right, yeah, I don't think there's really anything else because we've talked about the World Series before. I believe you have Braves and Yankees, and I have Padres slash Braves versus the Yankees. So I think we're... We got our MVP. We got our MVP. Cy Young. Yeah. predictions in. Any like hot take or anything spicy you want to throw in there before we close up that segment? Um. Do you have anything? while I think on it. I think that the Rays finish in last place in the AL East. I'm giving you just. Really? I'm giving you one just nasty hot take. Just like I, I said, the Celtics. So. Just like I said, the Celtics would like not make the playoffs. I mean, oh, so this is like a this is like a steaming hot take. This is no, yeah, no. This is not like going to happen too seriously. This is me saying okay. something stupid happens and the race somehow finish last. Okay, I'll I'll copy you and I'll say my steaming hot take is the Mets finish in fourth or fifth. Ooh, that's funny. So, you're, so at least in the AL East, like my take is bad, but actually, sorry, out. sorry, no, 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 no. I got I got to take that back. I got to okay. take that back. They finish in third or worse. okay. I was no going to say finish fourth. Because at least Third or AL, worse. at least in the AL East, you can make the conversation that like the Orioles are like a year away, but they're like a trendy pick for like, the wild card, let's say. Yeah. But I think the biggest issue with my prediction is the Red Sox, because the Red Sox do not look good this year. <laughs> the Red Sox yeah, might finish actually. I think they don't look that bad on paper. I mean, we'll see how they play. They're a bunch of like scrappy vets. It's going to be a very competitive division. Like the Blue Jays have a lot of promise they have to fulfill on. They haven't been able to do. Yankees are obviously the favorite right now. The Rays are consistently one of the best teams around. I think the Orioles are going to have a sneaky season too. Well, that's exactly that's what I'm trying to say. So like my my yeah. my stupid hot take is somehow some way the AL East is so competitive. The Rays finishing last, but like they win like seventy five games <laughs> because it's so competitive. Everyone beats themselves. Up. I think, I think I would take another one and say that four teams make the playoffs from your division. 
Oh, that's a good one too. Actually, I like that. Too. I like that hot take. There's three really... wild cards now, right? There's there four. Um, I think that's how it works. It's like a one game playoff. So something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll go. It's been that. a bit since I paid attention to to all those opening rumors. days Thursday too. I'm, not, I'm so fucking excited. I love it. It makes me so happy. Yeah. I love baseball. Baseball will always be on like my TV in the background now. Yep. All right, so we we kind of touched on this momentarily, but like, what do you what do you think about the the whatnot situation with like scammers and how it feels like there was like three days in a row last week where say, someone yeah. was getting caught like stealing cards? Like, oh hey, I, yeah, it's, I've never it's seen three card. of those. Oops, those are ridiculous. The amount of times it happened in like a couple of days it was wow. I've seen like probably a couple in the last like three years, and then three or four pop out in a week. It's like the funniest like, thing uh, too was like it was the worst attempt I've ever seen at stealing a card. Like some not, of those were so bad. Like hang on, uh, I gotta go get something from my office. Hang on. Uh, oh, oh, oops, this card is totally just take that just takes it off. Camp. But like, yeah. not only did you like, so for anyone who does not know what we're talking about, first off, how the fuck are you watching this podcast or listen to this podcast? And not knowing about the situation with Retail King, but I digress. Basically, what happened was a box breaker on whatnot uh, opened a pack of cards and saw very clearly a small glint of something hollow. Now, for anyone who is not familiar with the product they were opening, that was one of two things. It was a downtown or maybe an auto, I guess, in that product, theoretically. So not only did the guy like very clearly like show the top of the card, which was hollow, which if you're watching on YouTube, you can see me mocking it. He like somehow just pulled it off camera and just put nothing there. <laughs> it was like, what the fuck? It was the easiest thing to see. It wasn't even clever. Like no matter what the card was that he stole, because he did steal the card, it wasn't worth your fucking Instagram, your whatnot page yeah. or your business. The guy is done and I don't feel guilty for him. Fuck him. Like, you're a thief. You can say you fire the employee, quote unquote, but like yeah. dude, you're yeah. you're breaking on like a um what was he breaking on? Like a uh not a like, laundry machine, something not? stupid. The guy was breaking on like a, a bedroom uh, cabinet or something. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. my thing about it was gonna be like, do you think they said, Oh, we fired him, like this isn't our policy, like it's a scapegoat, or you think that was like a group thing like we're like oh you you find this card like you you take it off camera and like something happens we'll just say we fired you i don't know if bad to tell you not um, to be conspiracy about it but if it was me if it was me looking at the situation objectively i think that it was a coordinated effort like i think they were stealing cards. i would agree probably like, like yeah it's a shame but like also fuck that guy like he deserves everything the bad happens to him and like his business or his page or both so you can't just you can't stand for it. Like it's unfortunate, yeah. but like videos of them like talking about it are so bad. Like they're so stupid to watch. Like, yeah, it's just a shame. Like it, it's it's so interesting to me that like even scammers on Instagram too. Like they're not that clever. But what I really think is happening, and this ties into the next conversation I want to have about hype outside production and like this greed, is we are really fucking greedy as a hobby. And I think what's really happening is these pages that are very clear scammers, either they're stealing someone's card primarily, or they're making you pay Zelle or bank or uh, cash app or anything that you can't trace back. It comes down to greed. 
um, I have seen so many examples recently of like bad fake Instagram accounts selling cards that are like 20% comps or 30% comps and people getting scammed. Because guess what? You're fucking too greedy. You're you're think you're seeing dollar bills and you're not using your brain. And a car that's worth five thousand dollars being sold for twelve hundred or twelve fifty. What the fuck did you think was gonna happen? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, I definitely like people are gonna fuck up sometimes. Like when you're first starting out, like Instagram, like maybe you don't realize it, but I think after a certain period, you gotta just like understand what's real and what's not like yeah no listen i i want to make this clear i am not saying people that are new to the hobby or people that are like just stepping into like even the mid-end world of trading cards like yeah you're fucking stupid how dare you get scammed but what i'm saying is if you are someone who's a little more experienced on instagram like i've been here for a bit and you see a deal that's too good to be true it is like what the fuck what did you yeah. think was going to happen? Like 99% of the time. There's yeah. always going to be that 1% that's like... Of course, you know, there's an old... But don't use that guy. as a motivating... There's an old guy who like has a car that he doesn't yeah. know what he's doing. Dude, when uh, I'm not going to have a Chicago show. A man walks up to me with a Jerry Rice silhouette. Um, NFL Shield Auto, one of one. I'm like, yeah, I wanted how much? He's like, oh, you know, like $1,400. I'm like, I pretend to look, I, I, I cop it. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. And I sold it to Mikey for 2500 and he flipped it for 4K or whatever. Like, yeah, 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 whatever. Like, that deal is too good to be true, whatever. Like, because it's in person. I don't think the card's fake. <laughs> or when I bought my Babe Ruth ball, um, I was I was sure it was real. Like, it, yeah, I, I can tell you the 1% time when, like, shit works out. But, dude, it's not going to be like that online. We have all yeah. the resources available to us. If it sounds too good to be true, you're getting scammed most of the time. Yep. And dude, just like ask someone. Like, yeah. It's really not that hard. Like, send us a DM. Yeah, me, like, you, literally. Anyone you trust, your fucking Instagram story, maybe, to get to your yeah. biggest audience. Like, dude, just ask. Don't think with fucking dollar bills. Think with your goddamn brain. Like, yeah. I feel bad for those who get scammed, but when it's like a, a, a hobby veteran or someone who's been on Instagram for a while and they get scammed by someone who's very clearly fake, I have less sympathy because, like, you know better. You know what you're trying to fucking do here. Yeah. Moving through to something else that I feel very impassioned about is this hype outside of production thing. Now, for anyone who has, like, known me for quite a while, this is something that I have lived and died by forever. Hype will always outsell production. You're seeing it happen right now with insert young quarterback name here, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Jordan Love. <laughs> Anyone who is young who could potentially be better than they currently are is selling for astronomical prices, especially on their high-end stuff. It is so fucking stupid because just like in COVID times, like when there was like a period of time when nothing else was going on and all assets were going up, there is no reason why most of these players are going up to the way they are. Like they're going up hundreds, if not a thousand plus every week, every couple weeks, whatever it's going to be. It is truly unhealthy for the market. It results in someone getting off holding the bag. And whether it is in Chicago in August or July, or right before the season starts in week one, someone is going to get absolutely fucking crushed on all these young players. And it's crazy to me. Here's my thoughts on that. So you can either look at it in one of two ways. There's two types of people that are going to be buying these cards. There's people that are going to be transacting on them weekly, like buying and flipping them. 
Yep. And then there's the Packers fan who wants a Jordan Love contenders auto. That's going to sit or on an NTRP right now. Yeah. So. Now, if you're transacting on it, you might make money. You might lose money. Who knows? But if you're going to sit on that card at summer prices or spring prices, like when they're going up to stupid levels, like you're you're going to get fucked. Yeah. Unless he's yeah. unless he's that ten percent chance he's a Hall of Famer. Ten percent, more like zero point zero one percent. What are you talking? Yeah, about? it's like yeah. Sorry, yeah. But like he could be Jordan Love could be the next Donovan McNabb, for instance, who is a very good player. McNabb led his team to the Super Bowl his second year in the league, I believe, and was like runner up for MVP. That is awesome. Like if McNabb played in this era and like had those accomplishments, like his career like goes the way it does, his NTRPA theoretically would be absurdly priced <laughs> because the hype of him, especially coming off like that second season where like he made it to the Super Bowl, was an MVP candidate. It would be like a Joe Burrow type. And it'd be fucking absurd <laughs> because you see how the rest of his career went. He was very, very good. So what do you think yeah. is going to happen? Like, where do you think this is going to go? If you're like, just want the card and you're fine with the financial, like up and downs with it, then I'll be our guest, like go buy what you want to buy. But I think if you're holding these quarterbacks, like expecting them to be like Tom Brady prices in a few years, like be a little more realistic about it. I, I mean, just think about it a little bit. Like, no, who, who's done that? Mahomes, like one out of, one guy in the last 20 years since Tom Brady. I mean, yeah, but there you go. I mean, I, I understand the argument of like, yeah, look at Mahomes and TRPs, but bitch, they also dropped. Like they're, they're dropping. Yeah. They're, they're like, not, what, they're not half five K what they were. I, yeah. I don't know. I couldn't tell you the exact numbers. I know they're down, like shocking. Everything yeah. eventually like, will come down. Yeah. So. They're under a hundred K. They were like a couple hundred K. Like, That's a couple exactly years ago. like yeah. you, you have to time it correctly. And I, I think the best time to sell these assets is right before the greed overtakes everyone. Because just like a year ago in AC, when every single person who could and did had Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, and Joe Burrow, I guarantee you there will be at least 50 Jordan Love NTRPAs, Justin Fields NTRPAs, Trevor Lawrence NTRPAs. So much of these assets are going to be available in in Chicago this year. What the fuck do you think is going to happen? Are they all going to get sold or traded? Maybe. But someone's going to get holding the bag tremendously. And you do not want to be the one doing that. You want to be the guy right before that happens. Make your fucking money, take your greed out of it, and move on. Like, I don't think people really understand it or want to hear the truth, but those assets, if they get to week one and they're running onto the field and you own the card, you're fucked. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Unless they just come out and ball, you're fucked. Yeah, exactly. If you're holding them going into the actual season starting, it's literally gambling. Yeah. Like, it's literally, there's no methodology there. Like, it's literally gambling at that point. So, and, and it's funny. And that's, thank you, Kai, for the amazing segue into the <laughs> conversation because. Mm -hmm. An article came out uh, March 26th, and this was sent to me by one of my friends. This really kind of hit home for me. This is talking about sports card addiction and kind of like this dark beast that kind of hangs over the hobby when people are breaking, people are razzing or gambling or doing hip breaks or whatever. And like what can happen to you? This is an addiction. We are degenerates, Kai. 
we are addicted to either the sports card thrill making a deal or the sale and trades or both. But I think you and I have a better financial grasp on it than the average person. I think we're okay. But this is what can happen when you don't. Like this person was in debt from fucking trading cards and he was compulsive. They were breaking though, right? They were breaking, yes. So breaking it's a little bit of difference. But of course it's different. But like once yeah. again, like how you want to buy Desmond Ritter, NCRPAs or whatever comes out and he's bad. Fair, yeah, fair enough. You, fair enough. You yeah. gamble on it. Or if you buy Jordan Love or Justin Fields yeah, or yeah. whatever else we were talking about. Let's not gamble. put the Ritter, let's not put the Ritter bad out into the world. He's <laughs> okay. Ritter's the goat. Um, and you can clip that. Uh you know, it talks about addiction. It talks about like what the guy was going through, and psychologically, yeah, this guy is was addicted, just like how someone can be addicted to cigarettes or smoking. I guess you can't get addicted to weed, but whatever. Drinking, smoking, whatever else. This is gambling. This is this is like DraftKings gambling to the utmost extreme. You know, it's kind of funny to like poke fun at, haha, this guy opening basketball cards lost all his money. Fuck him. But it's really sad. Like it's really, truly sad. And I think you have to keep this in the back of your mind always. That like this is a real possibility. This is who some of the end consumers are for these repacks or these group breaks or both. You know, it happens. Like this is what this is the end result. It's not always yeah. this person, and they don't always go into financial ruin, but it happens. This is proof that yeah. it does. I mean, statistically, if you're breaking like you're not going to make money. I mean, there's the anomaly of hitting the crazy card, but I mean, I don't think people, especially like new people, like they don't realize that you're not probably going to get a great return from breaking. They might see like a cool clip on Instagram or whatever and be like, Oh, I need to go buy into a case break with the most expensive team. And then they get skunked and then they don't do cards anymore. And they're out $5,000. It's like, that's how I started in sport cards, man. That's literally how. Yeah. So maybe like look into it a little bit and play with a little bit of cheaper things if you want to break, but it definitely is easy to go down the road of spending 50K on breaks and then being fucked. You know, people are going to do whatever they want with their money and I respect it, but for the general audience, I think it's worth calling out that it's scary. It really, truly is. And I don't know what's going to happen next with like these breakers and, and the repacks and everything like that, but when financial times get harder, which I think we're not not in a bubble, but like it's so interesting to me to see the cash get exchange it shows, and then like there is a unrest <laughs> in the economy. It's just like, dude, this is fucking weird. Like this is not the real world, and I think we have to understand that like the last couple of years in sports cards have been absurd, good, bad, or otherwise. It has always been a journey, and I think you have to understand. Th- sometimes for people the journey ends in addiction and it's scary yeah for sure all right well how do we make people feel better about that we can talk about the average joe getting into collecting and like how to step yeah this is a good topic yeah i like this yeah this one i mean off the precipice of of gambling is not ideal but i think it's worth the conversation because hang on i'm gonna flip the camera back to normal um it's worth knowing because we get asked this pretty often um whether it's at shows or comments or anything kai people dm me about this pretty often how do you escape the world of low to mid-end into higher end items and for this conversation let's call low end anything under 20 bucks mid-end anything from 100 to 500 dollars 
and higher end, let's call anything over a grand. I think that's a decent conversation point. If you think it's too low or too high, okay. Well, this is a video. Just a rough guess. Yeah, sorry. Like, whatever. This is our interpretation. Obviously, people will scale up or down accordingly. And it goes back to kind of what we were saying about the repack stuff. Like, it's okay to take a small loss or a medium-sized loss on certain items if the goal is to consolidate. Like, you have to be willing to lose a little to win in the end. And you're perfectly welcome to go and list everything on eBay and sell it at auction or give it to a consignment service or both. The point is you have to be willing to reset. And if that means you're selling off $505 to $10 cards, you buy one nice item and you flip that or sell that or trade that or whatever, all those losses kind of disappear. Like it is a lot easier to move one $500 item than $55 items or $10 items, I should say. You just have to be willing to understand the steps needed to do so. Like, Yeah. My, my thoughts on that is sort of building off that you need to be okay with losing, even though it might be your first card you buy. I think quantity over quality when you're first starting out, whether that's buying 10, 20 cards, grading them, buying five cards of a basketball player you like, buying five cards from the set that you think is underpriced. I think the quantity over quality, instead of buying a $500 card that might go down to 200, you have 10, $50 cards that maybe you lose, hey, 10% on a couple of them, but the other ones you grade and half get tens, then you make double your money. I think quantity is a big, big thing you people that starting should try out. Well, the, the good thing is too, is that you have a different perspective and there's no wrong way to do this per se it's just like what flavor works for you because some people yeah. don't like to grade and i don't blame them it used to be significantly easier and cheaper to grade with like psa it used to be like half i the price. loved like early 2020 i guess even 20, 2019 when like grading value was like nine dollars for psa just send a bunch of shit in and just wait and you i mean right say, before all of our cards got stuck at psa for like two years Thanks, Marks. I really love you. Totally cool. Uh, yeah, but, but before that happened, <laughs> and I was using someone else. Ironically, I was using Sasha. Sasha was doing PSA subs for a bit. Yeah. Um, and he was great at it. And then he realized that was that was not for him. Uh, you would get your cards back in three or four months, and they would go up in value because they would be created, and you'd be able to flip stuff like that. Now it's a little more difficult. It's not as easy as that. You you have to look for other opportunities. Um, I know people like to go dollar bin hunting, which sounds miserable to me, but more power to you if you do it. But there are those who can find a five, ten, twenty dollar card, and you're able to build off of that. Um, I'm a more fan of combining assets into one or two larger items and then moving those. But I think your perspective too on a balanced, you know, quality and quantity mix works you might eventually get to the point where the inventory might be stale or older and you want to combine it into one item but there's no wrong way to do it if you're just trying to learn more and get more out of this so the biggest jump in my mind is from the thousand dollar cards to the two to three to four to five thousand because you know that is a lot of money $1,000 is not cheap to the average person. Like, that is a paycheck. <laughs> like, that is a full paycheck 
after taxes that you're buying one item with. But if you're able to, you know, combine 20, 30, 40 items into that $1,000 item and you flip it for $1,250, dollars because you buy under eBay, you know, that's that's a couple days of work. Start. Yeah, it's a start. Like you, you can build off of it. And I can only speak from my experience and how I've done it. It, it, it's awesome. It's a great feeling, and and not even talking in the five to ten thousand dollar world, like that small thousand dollar flip or five dollar flip here or there. It's an incredible feeling, and you are yeah. able to pull it off yourself. And you there's nothing have- better than getting a card in the mail, taking a picture of it, and then selling it and making like a hundred bucks in like 10 minutes. Just don't go on, uh, you know, uh, uh, old <clears> school <throat> and try and sell it for the full value. Yeah. We'll get off for yeah. 43 comps. Yeah, you definitely will. I would stay clear of there if you're a new Yeah. And then you have those who are going to undercut you and lowball you. Anyway, Instagram is interesting with that stuff. Instagram is 50% no one contacts me. 30% is good. And 5 to 10%. I know that's 90%. It's not 100. 5 to 10% is just like value, comp, value, comp. Uh, yo, scene. price, price. Yeah, left unseen. Yeah, 10% is like left unseen. I fucking hate that. There's no other way to make sure I don't want to do business moving forward if you leave me unseen. Like, just say no thank you. Like, just be a fucking human. Yeah. Man. You want to piss me off. That's like an old man, but it's true. I fucking hate that stuff. Yeah. Um, and what else are I here? I wrote down a couple notes. I'm like, what has worked for me? Uh, be respectful, but fierce. How ironic. Uh, uh, being respectful of someone's time and how you message them is super important because you're you're going to want to continue that relationship potentially down the line. Uh, but you can be fierce. I'm kind of a dickhead. I know that. That's perfectly fine. Um, but I am respectful. Like, hey, you know, it doesn't work. All right, no problem. Like, that's it. Like, I appreciate your time. Like, I will, I will respect your ability to say no. But I'm gonna be fierce on it. Like, oh yeah, your price is over comp. Okay. My price. <laughs> yeah. It's Move like, on. Um dude, sorry, man. <laughs> be truthful but firm. Kind of falls in the same vein. Like, all right, yeah, you know, like here's the here's the value I'm seeing. I it comps at a thousand bucks. I want nine fifty. It's like, will you do nine hundred? No. Would you do nine twenty five? Okay, I'll do nine twenty five. Like I'll split that with you. Like, will you do seven hundred dollars? No. Fuck you. I'm not gonna do that. I'm not going to undercut myself that much. Um, be upfront and greed is contagious. Oh, how fitting. We're talk- we were talking about how young quarterbacks are going to keep spiking and then someone's going to go holding the bag. Be upfront. Be truthful. Like, hey, you know, the last three cops, you're going to check on Cardlighter on this item are $1,100, 15 and 12 I want 13 Then they check Cardlighter and they see the value. Oh, the guy is not a piece of shit. Okay, that's fine. I believe you. I've I've heard several times in deals like oh yeah like what other cops I give them the cops all right I believe you like what why why do you believe me what why would you do yeah. check the cops yourself you're gonna see them anyway like let me just tell you what I know and if there's new information cool I'll use that in the next negotiation if I'm wrong you're gonna check anyway be upfront <laughs> like it it makes yeah. you look better as a dealer when you are respectful truthful and upfront. And also have the ability to be fierce, firm, and not as fucking greedy as everyone else. Yeah, I think the only people I wouldn't double check comps on would be like friends. I mean, like you should be. Oh, dude, I I've spent so much money with Mikey. And yeah. Comps. Like he'll like, Dave, but, you're paying this price. I'm like, okay. 
yeah i'm never gonna not double check like a random dealer like why, why would i not check like you said like, yeah it takes two seconds it does yeah all right uh we have this one's tough this is enough this is the last section and i think it's one that i hold very near and dear to my hearts and it's the issue with sports car personalities in general and while some of them are great people actually great people on camera and off camera how they can do more harm than good. I, I think the issue with this kind of ties into everything we covered, the addiction part, the hype cycle, everything else. I don't think every sports car personality is the most honest or respectful person. There are some I really truly like as people and they know I like them because I've said that to them in, in real life. There are those though who concern me and when you have those individuals who do have an audience who are either children or young adults who don't maybe follow every single day investment advice, quote unquote, or sports car knowledge or Instagram in general, but like just buy off what the guy behind the camera is saying, you get into situations where people get hurt financially and it scares me. And I don't think that just because you have a camera in your face and you're selling trading cards makes you a good role model. And I think, a lot of them are pieces of shit. Yeah, it's been kind of a big theme in the last like week or two. I know uh <laughs> talks like certain people that make these YouTube videos being like so nice on camera and giving stuff to kids and then being complete assholes like to normal people. So it's really weird. It's just like, yeah. Dude, follow I, who you want to follow. Like I don't really give a fuck about these personalities some of the time. Some once again. I, mean, I don't think anyone really does. Most of these like, are general really. general thoughts. Like I don't really care about them. I care what cards they have and that's it. Like if we, uh, you know, and once again, generally there is a lot of people I do like Santiago sports, Sasha, Jay from Mojo sports. Jay really fucking impressed me. Jay was genuinely nice to every single person around him all the time in Dallas. Super, super friendly. Could not speak his praises any higher. Just a nice guy all around and just had to make YouTube videos. Good for him. Awesome person. Uh, who else to like? I, there's others I like. There's obviously others I don't like. <laughs> but Ryan's really good too. Ryan is really so. Ryan actually gave a, a question that I dropped my phone. Didn't mean to do that. I was gonna pull Ryan's Ryan, question. Ryan's been Ryan, around for a long time. Ryan's Ryan outwardly asked questions about the about shows. Now he thinks there's too many of them. Ryan, if you're if you're watching this, awesome. Thank you. But thank you for writing in too. Also, good guy. Has been around forever. Genuinely a nice person. Like, it's just crazy to me that I don't know if it's like the allure being a social media influencer or whatever kind of like poisons the well on the people that we should be putting on a pedestal versus those who don't even fucking belong there. Yeah. Um, I will say Ryan is probably like one of the only people that I like actually watch their like content. His content's so good. He's it's so it's almost like he's a good person and just happens yeah. to be talking about it. Yeah, he's one of the few people I actually like take the time to like watch YouTube videos with my lunch or whatever. But um, there's definitely a big separator between people like him and then I mean I'm not gonna name anyone, but like you can just tell like a you can tell when there's two visual green. difference. Yeah. Yep. Um, greed is contagious but, greed you can smell greed you can feel yeah like whether or not you tell in the moment you can figure out eventually who is either solely in it for the money or like wants the status yeah exactly 
And also, Ryan, I do apologize for not answering your question. There's too many big shows every week. Uh, what does that mean for the hobby and shows? I think you're splitting the market. I think that these shows need to coordinate better. Um, you know, a couple weeks ago, it was Dallas, Nashville, Philly. Uh, I think there was one other major show that I'm just forgetting. So good job. Um, it's it's too much. Like there are too many shows that are occurring at this moment in time. I wish that show owners would actually not use this as a dick measuring contest, but like have constructive conversations. So the hobby grows in general, but all you're doing is driving uh, stakes in the ground and trying to, you know, divide, not, not unite. I think, um, I mean, hypothetically, if they did communicate on planning the shows, I mean, hypothetically, there could probably be a big show every weekend. Define, well, I mean, define a big show. So uh, a show you would travel, like be willing to travel to. I think it's entirely possible. Um, just hypothetically, like if yeah, you spread them out how they even, are now, hypothetically. Even every other week, like Dallas yeah. is running the show. Dallas 100% runs the show cycle. Every six weeks or eight weeks, give or take, there is a major Dallas show. People travel for it. That is that is the fact. It is truth. And guess what? Dallas is the fucking king of it right now. The national is different. That's once a year. Dallas is the king. I would put the Burbank show on the same level at this point in time. They are still growing. They have gone from a small show to a major venue right away. They crushed it. And now they're in Anaheim Convention Center in a couple months. The one thing that Dallas does differently than Burbank is the quantity of shows. Burbank is going to do two or three a year, and Dallas does five or six, give or take. They are on the same level. I would even say Burbank is a slightly better show because it doesn't happen as often. They are quantity, or they are quality. Dallas is quantity and quality. Then you have, you know, Chicago is another major venue. Nashville, the Mint, I think, happens once or twice a year. It's really hard to tell. Atlanta, maybe. Atlanta's not in the conversation. Like they are all kind of fighting for like this tier three status, which is still a great show. Don't get me wrong, but like there's a very clear divide. From Philly, Philly's in there too. Um, Del Mar is in that conversation. Like shows that like are in consideration that like you occasionally will go to. Um, you know, it, it's it's a sliding scale, and you can tell what shows are doing better or worse. You know, and then there's up and coming newcomers. Minnesota's doing a show in a couple of weeks, or I think it might be happening right now. I don't really know. I wasn't going to attend anyway, but I, it's the first time they're doing it. And I know people that are going, and I want to hear what they think. It might be a consideration down the line. I know there's a show in Iowa I was personally invited to. That I just, or Des, Moines, Des Moines, Iowa, yeah. And I said no because I, I didn't want to travel. <laughs> um, and then there are larger local shows. There's a three-day show, Kai, two minutes from my apartment. No one's ever going to travel to that show unless you're in the Tri-State area. Yeah. Like – there are different tiers to these shows. I think that they do have to coordinate at least somewhat, at least be aware of each other. I know for a fact the Nashville card show wants to compete with Dallas, and that's why they keep choosing the same weekend. It's fucking stupid. And I like that show, but like you're not going to win against Dallas. Don't even try. Like You yeah. do not offer anything special than Dallas. They're just shooting themselves in the foot. Like They are. Not that they're going to be willing to cooperate and playing around each other, but like at least like make maybe make an effort. Maybe they are, and we just don't know. But like, I feel like something's got to like budge to the point where it 
is possible to maybe go to like three of the big shows in a month that aren't all on the same weekend or at least have them not compete against each other why is dallas competing with philly that's competing with nashville why is that at the same time yeah those are three shows people are all going to want to go to all of them i mean you would think they would maybe try to space them out a little bit but i guess not i don't it's just it's just it's egos it comes down to egos and i think that's an issue in sports cards in general is we have and you go to ourselves, but I will tell you at the end of the day, dude, I don't give a fuck what you do. I don't care what you have. If I want the car from you, I'll DM you, or if you want my car, you'll DM me, and I keep it that simple. Everything else yeah. is kind of secondary. It's kind of wild. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, this is, I mean, this, I think we're having the episode now. This is a damn good episode. I want to make sure we understand that. Like, there are a lot of key topics here that, a lot of people are afraid to kind of have that conversation about. And I feel very strongly about a lot of this. I'm excited to see if there's any lasting conversation from like this type of stuff. If anyone really gives a fuck or if it's just like white noise. I, I really think that this could be a very successful, instructive conversation. I, I That's what I hope for. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, there's some things that people maybe in the more uh uh what's the word maybe in a more uh uh don't want to talk about don't want to talk about things maybe stuff that we talked about that will be informative to people who watch a bunch of these podcasts and stuff and don't get that kind of info or insight yeah listen Um, once again i want nothing from this podcast i don't want fucking money i don't want a sponsorship Although you should go use Joku consignment services. I want nothing. I just want it to be real. And anything that comes from that as a result, awesome. That's that's it. That's all I want. I don't want to be a fucking hobby influencer or a goat. Like I think it's fucking cringe. I just want a good conversation. I don't want to be a goat. I don't want to be a hobby goat. No, dude. I want to be a hobby legend. Like it's also just fun to talk about stuff for an hour. It is. It's just dude, it's great. It makes me happy. If one person thinks a little more critically about sports Clip that. Cards, it makes me happy. It does. This makes me happy. If one person thinks more critically about sports cards after listening to this podcast every single week, we've, we're a success. I don't yeah. care if you listen to anything else. If you, if you just consider being more critical about something in a positive or negative way, if you choose to be that way, awesome. Think more intelligently. Learn more. Seek something else. And, and yep. that's the odds of success, which, haha, 28 to 3. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right guys we'll see I, you next week yeah i had to start with that i'm gonna end the podcast with that well hope you guys all enjoyed it was a great episode we'll see you back next week and yeah you got anything else dave nope i that's everything i have to say all right guys thanks for watching peace